Hello and welcome to The Song Inside, where we go inside people's stories to discover their songs. I'm your host, Dietrich Rodman Struck, piano goddess and song goddess, and I'll be walking people through this journey to find the songs hidden within themselves. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another song inside. Now I feel like every week I have to sing a different thing on this. Welcome to the song inside today with Jamie Lenhart. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Deidre. What's going on? Well, <laughs> <laughs> not too much. Are we getting, we're not going to start rocking in the morning? I was like, I have this very early memory of Mr. Rogers when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. uh, and he was doing an operetta. I think he called it an operetta. And it was, you know, people singing an episode, basically, musical. Right. And that stuck so hard in my head that for a while I went around just singing everything um, all the time. And I was like, what would it be like if we just did a whole episode like that? No, we're not going to do that. You know, I had a similar experience. It was later. It was later on, but it was um, when I was in high school, and it was the first time I saw um, the Umbrellas of Cherbourg. And like we watched it in a French. It was like senior year of high school, where you're kind of like gotten into college already, and you've done most everything you're supposed to do, and you need to take a couple more credits. And it was, you know, like a high, like you know, a very well educated school, you know, and so. <laughs> It was, so we, so, so we, it was like a French movie um, club or whatever. And we watched Umbrellas of Cherbourg as one of them. And um, I just remember one of my friends, Jenny and I were both like, you know, all we did was walk around and sing our, our lives to each other. Like, after <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to the bathroom, you know, and, you know, anything, any, like Did you every, sing it in French? Like half and half because we uh, didn't necessarily, you know, couldn't do all of it. So we did a little franglais. I, I feel like your yours is so much more sophisticated than mine. <laughs> no way. Mr. Rogers is the cornerstone of everything well, that we you know. know. It's I funny. Mean, like now that I think about it, I because people are often like, well, what were your earliest influences? And I'm like, oh, I, I grew up in this town and like Gene Harris was this amazing jazz player. No, I think it was. I can't remember the name of the piano player on his show. It was probably that. Yes. And he's unbelievable. I mean. That was an amazing jazz trio. Like to be hearing that growing up, that's amazing. A favorite Mr. Rogers episode, I'm just going to say, in case people are wondering. I mean, you never know. You never know. Uh, The Crayon Factory. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know what? Milo and I watched that when he was little. We went and watched all, like a lot of different Mr. Rogers episodes. And we went back and watched The Crayon Factory and. I was just struck by how beautifully slow it is, you know, like, like the whole show, the whole everything and the way he explains everything in such detail because he cares about it. Yeah, totally. I feel like now it would be MTV editing where it's like crayon, crayon, crayon. (laughs) They're coming down the conveyor belt. Oh, look at that color. (laughs) <laughs> you know and you're like and I, I don't think it's true but I remember you know 
someone saying, oh, I mean, I really don't think it's true, especially now understanding this. So I'm, I hope it's no one's hearing this as like blasphemy because I really just, I'm, I'm, as you said, we go through the whole life, right? We talk about everything. So I remember someone telling me when I was in my 20s that Mr. Rogers um, was high all the time. And that's why, what? yeah, and that's why he was so just wow. really micro-focused. And I, I believed it at that time because I was far away enough from my experience with Mr. Rogers and I hadn't re-experienced it as him or his show as an adult, you know, as a parent. And so at that, in my early twenties, I was like, no wonder, you know, (laughs) (laughs) because that's where I was, you know, that's what made sense at that time. You know, he was high. He was high on life. He really was. I I want whatever he's was on. (laughs) Give me that drug. I know. I know. Passion, passion for education, like passion for equality. That's really what he was on, you know? I feel like I have that, but maybe not in the same way because I don't go around my life with so much optimism. Is it possible to have that much passion and that much optimism? Just Gus. Well, (laughs) I guess if you're Fred Rogers, it is, you know, just Gus. Other at home, you can discuss this too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're going to leave. We're going to go into breakout groups and then we're going to come back. <laughs> but no, I, I'm so I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy to see you. I haven't seen Even- you for a long, t- too long. And I'm loving looking at your lovely face and your amazing, as always, hair and your harmonium in the background and an orange music stand. Yes. Yes, this is a Did new room, Deidre. I love that room. We moved. Where are you now? Well, you don't have to give your exact address, obviously, for the people. But we're in the Lincoln Central, Lincoln Central, or Lincoln mm. Center area. Wow, I know that's cr- what crazy. I know. So I feel like non-New Yorkers don't understand that. So you lived <laughs> in like the West Village basically yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And to move from the West Village to Lincoln Center is almost like moving to another state. Totally. And to- <clears throat> absolutely. Another state of mind, that is. And it was, I, you know what? <laughs> it is another state of mind. Because it, it, it really, I mean, I, for everyone, this whole year has been so crazy, you know. Mm. And we left our apartment. We ended up staying in New Jersey at the home where I grew up. So that was a trip and a half for <laughs> another podcast, a, a different podcast, <laughs> you know, with, I need like a therapy couch for it. But, um, <laughs> n- but honestly, like it was kind of, it was, it was amazing in some ways. It was difficult for everybody in other ways. Um, and then, you know, we just realized we needed a change and we got this wonderful opportunity to come up to this area Central Park is literally half a block away. Oh my gosh. And it's it just has such a different vibe. I mean, there's some things like the Far West Village is kind of like what this area is like a little bit with mm-hmm. the brownstones and a little more quiet and um but our where we were, you know, was like in the thick yeah. of NYU and the right. new school and and I, I have to be totally honest that I do not miss living amongst college students. I don't blame you. College students, we love you, but we, we love don't you. we don't want to live basically where your campus is. <laughs> Especially, I mean, because we were college students and we know. Yeah, and we, we already did that. We, we did, did that. It. Yeah. Where did you do that again? You have to remind me. I did it at Varnard. So I like just, I was on the upper, upper west at that <laughs> point. 
can't escape. Leanne um, mm-hmm. from the Biddies had that song, You Can Take the Girl Out of Texas, But You Can't Take Texas Out of the Girl. Right. You can take yeah. the girl out, out of Manhattan, but you can't take Manhattan out of the girl. And you can't take the girl out of Manhattan. Clearly. Because you grew up there, I mean, too. Well. Nearby. I've- Nearby. So anyone who was truly a Manhattanite would scoff at that and say, oh, really? Jersey, you know. So I have to own that. But I've lived in Manhattan far longer than I lived in New Jersey. So at this point, I'm old. I I haven't been to Manhattan that late. I used to go where you are when I first moved here because of the circus was up there. That's right. And so when I first moved to New York, I lived in a bunch of different sublets. But I always have this memory, this like every time I take like the D to Columbus Circle and then I get on the one, it's and then go to 66th Street. I'm like, oh, it just it's a very visceral memory all these years later of going to the circus there from wherever I was living. Um. And I, I really like it up there. I have such good memories there of, like, my first dates with Ben walking around the Upper West Side. And there used to be, like, Tower Records was up there. Yeah, yeah. Barnes oh, there was and so Noble. Much. And I don't know. It was it was really fun. Our first date was up there. I love your new place. It's got all this gorgeous wood in the back. It's so pretty. Yeah. I put I put the harmonium kind of for you, too. Thank so you. I love that. I put a porg in the back for, for you. Well, thanks. <laughs> and also I'm wearing... Not coincidentally, I'm wearing a Grogu shirt because people know that I'm sort of obsessed with Star Wars. But, you know, I will say that the light tree in back of me is for you. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. So what have you been up to musically these days? It's a little bit of a loaded question. Um, I I, I know. For everyone. And it's honestly, I haven't asked anybody the question like that so far. Yeah. No. And I and I think it's a great question. Um. So in most recent past, so let's go like to the more like moving forward recent past. Yeah. Is I finally like kind of broke open the album that I'd been recording pre-pandemic and um, I'm now actively finishing it. So that's. Yes. So that's a wonderful thing. And I feel more, I feel invigorated or reinvigorated. I love that word. Um, that's it's such a, really, a good word. Yeah, it's a really and I feel it like it's a visceral uh, word, right? Um, and uh, so that that's been like the biggest cr- artist creative um, music endeavor. You mm-hmm. know, I've been teaching. I mean, like this year was like I, I really have been teaching so much this past year, and it's been really wonderful. And I felt like if my creative self needed a break, you know, like, mm, mm-hmm. and, and even past the point of like, like we've all done our, you know, artists way and whatever, all the things <laughs> that are super helpful, you know, but like, I was not like, I would have, you know, thrown the book out if I tried to open it up last year. Like it just, <laughs> So my, I'm like, you know, I would have, I would have done it angry and you don't do those things. angry. Right. You, like, you have to do them with like, compassion like, and like make space. a list of your five past selves. No, I don't right. want to. Right. And like, and, and, and the whole thing would have been bitter and angry. And so I decided <laughs> instead of, instead of trying to stoke something that needed to lay dormant for a little while, um, I just kind of threw myself much more into teaching 
and like keeping my voice feeling great, like doing some commercial music stuff, you know, but really like the creative writer, performer sat back. Yeah. You know? um, and I just like, I couldn't, I felt more lonely. The thought about like doing a Zoom concert or something just felt, filled me with such loneliness, you know, yes. like, and that it made the idea of singing and sharing myself like feel like the worst idea ever, you know, for my well-being, for my mental well-being. And um, so I really just. I'm really, you're, you're articulating it in such, one thing I've always loved about, I love so many things about you, but the way that you're able to use language to articulate feelings and situations is a beautiful skill. And I feel like you just completely captured how I was feeling too. Although when you were saying you threw yourself into teaching, I I threw myself into bed (laughs) and didn't get out for a while. Um, but, But I completely relate to the thought of doing anything like a live stream because there as a musician I in an artist I feel like there's always those questions of like other people are doing more they're doing other things like why can't I xyz or yeah and the thought yeah. of it like you said just made me was exhausting and yes. didn't feel honest and but nothing else really felt like there was a long period of just being fallow with that yes yeah that's a good word too well, see, the thing that happens when you talk to smart friends is then you, like, up your game. So mm. be prepared for me to use a lot of, like, five-star words during this. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready, baby. I'm so ready. <laughs> you know, I think, I think I hear you about throwing yourself into bed and, like, we were giggling about it, you know, but it's like – and there was one other thing you said that was really, really resonant. Um, but my mind is like a sieve, and so sometimes, like – It'll, it'll come back in a second. But, but just, um, you know, I found that while teaching, I could, because teaching in this manner, like it was on Zoom, it is still on Zoom, you know, that I have to focus so differently that it really allowed me to get out of myself, like anything, like even if I had been like crying a half an hour before coming on to the, you know, the camera with my student. It's like, once I got on, it's like, I had to look at them and listen to them and show them that it was worth it. You know, like yeah. not, not monetarily, but just like, it is still worth working on yourself. It is still worth. And so in, let's say I was teaching for five hours straight or something like for those five hours, I was out of my depression. Mm. I was out of my questioning. I was out of, you know, like, where am I? And how did yeah. I get here? You know, I was like not in my David Byrne, you know, this is not my beautiful life. <laughs> you know? I, I love that. I resisted teaching on Zoom for a while, but I think I always have this thing that happens when I think about teaching, which is I've done it for so long that it's I start telling myself a story about it. Like, mm. oh, this is something that I've just done. And because I've done it for so long in so many different ways, you know, maybe I should be doing something else. It's all those like shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Right, right. But what I like about what you're saying with teaching is that ultimately it's service. You're in service of someone else. 100%. And there's an energetic exchange. And if you allow that to happen, then 
you're going to feel better at the end of it because you you both got something out of it and you got out of yourself because you were helping this other person. Yes, yes. I found the same because I was like, I'd never taught, you know, I'm sitting at my little desk with my little, you know, keyboard. Good morning, Jamie. Um, I'm not because my piano's in the middle of the house. And I was like, how am I going to teach on Zoom with this little keyboard at this desk that and I found that I actually really love it. Yeah. But I would psych myself up before like, oh, I don't want to do this. Ooh, and then I would get into it and I would forget about everything. And exactly. I for piano especially, I I felt like I had to focus in a very different way. Because mm-hmm. I'm like just staring at the screen and I'm intently watching their their fingers playing this song. I'm not distracted. And just there's other it, it actually really helped my teaching a lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely a better I mean, not that I wasn't already a really good teacher. You were, I've taken from you. That's right. You were a good teacher and you are a good teacher. <laughs> but I but I definitely honed some skills that I didn't know you know, not necessarily needed, but like were able to be honed farther, you know? Yeah. And I think for students, you know, it this presented, a, singing at least, like this presented a unique experience because A, they could watch themselves and get immediate feedback. Oh, that's so true. I didn't even think about that for singing. Right. And can watch me at the same time. Like if it was split screen, they can see me making whatever yeah. adjustments or shape and they're getting themselves. And um, because, we, you know, I wasn't doing like jam kazam or something with my students, <laughs> whatever those things are called. So there's latency. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I do now. I, I, had, I mean, I just would like to say that a couple of images came to my mind the minute you said that, which we can discuss later. Oh One of them God. did involve a Grateful Dead, one of those bears. Um, it's just the worst but um but so because we weren't doing that there's latency and so instead of the student depending on me playing the scale at the same time and them getting that immediate feedback Mm -hmm. of like oh let me tune and tune and adjust I would just play a chord I will be look I'm gesturing but there's the piano right there hi piano um electric but still not terrible um so I would play a chord or or a scale and mm-hmm. then they would have to go ahead and sing the scale right you know what I mean and so their tuning to themselves was significantly better Ooh. I isn't know it, isn't it interesting how I, I like this sort of glass half full kind of thing because <laughs> it's the same with my songwriting students because I tried um some workshops And I was really nervous because I thought, how am I going to give attention to five or six people on Zoom in a workshop? Um, But it was fine because what people really needed was they needed me and to bounce things off me, but they also just needed space to to think. And because I'm not at a piano where I can just feed them stuff like, oh, it sounds like you're singing this this chord, you know, yeah. yeah. They came up with such cool and different things Mm. and then we were all able to share because we're in this virtual environment that we're all so comfortable with now yeah which does feel different than i'm gonna probably have another workshop soon that's live for the first time in a while but it's i think it's gonna feel very different because the screen does remove one level of 
anxiety about singing. It's like, e- even if somebody didn't want to maybe sing their song, they'd be like, well, I can just like, mm, you know, kind of hum right, it. Right, hum it into and the that's mic. that's hard to do in a big room where you're like, what? Sing louder. You know? Right. Do you think that you're going to take anything, like I'm, I'm asking you this, but I'm asking myself too, but do you think that you're going to take anything that you learned from teaching over Zoom, like you're saying, like not immediately feeding someone cords, not immediately, you know, doing that. Do you think you're going to take that into your live teaching again? Well, thank you for asking, Jamie. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm just giving you shit. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I'll have the opportunity to find out because I'm leaving for to teach at summer camp for like seven weeks pretty That's soon. That's right. That's right. Holy and moly. And the kids there um, are – really wonderful and they choose their own schedules and they choose their own topics. Mm. So I kind of never know from, from day to day what somebody's going to, going to want. Right. But I, I don't know how we, I mean, I suppose if we actively tried, we could immediately snap back to the way we did it. But I would hope we're all taking these wonderful things that we're learning, teaching online to our live people. Yeah. Um, but I am curious to, have you done a lot, any live teaching since like, no, None. Well, just, I mean, main. Because we we probably could now do that. We could. My hesitation right now still is that um, Milo isn't vaccinated yet. Right. And I I am, I am vaccinating him, everybody. We are doing that. Um, So that can be a different show for you. But um, (laughs) don't don't email me about that topic, please. Yeah, don't. But he, um, so until he is, I don't feel comfortable with people singing. In to, and I, I don't, I don't want people to be singing with masks. I want them to sing if they're yeah. going to sing, you know. Yeah. So I, so I'd rather wait, and it's, and it'll, it'll be the fall, you know, it'll be the yeah. fall, and that's fine. And summer is always kind of funky anyway. So like, you know, I have these kids that are so excited to start up in the fall, and they're like, "Can we be in person?" You know, <laughs> yeah, we can be in it's, person. Yeah, it's um, so interesting. Even um, so, I was teaching my favorite student. I'm going to shout her out. Um, she's named Emily. The rat's going to feel sad. No, I don't have that many <laughs> students right now. <laughs> and they're all, and none of them are strictly piano students. She's my only strictly piano student right now. So, I'm so she's kind student. of like, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. She's in a, in a um, category to unto herself. Yes. Unto and it's, and she's in a different phase in life. She's retired. And so she's, been learning the piano in her retirement Hmm. and then now she's like her grandkids are getting a little older and often when I teach adults it's you know we'll maybe do one or two years and then they're kind of like done with that but she's really stayed with it and it's so fun and then just yesterday we had a lesson she's like oh well in in person and I admit that I had I I had anxiety I had some anxiety about it because I was just saying, like, there's something that's become very intimate about seeing her space and me being in my space. Yeah. That I think in the fall it will be wonderful. And I'm also wondering maybe we'll just, like, split it up. Like, yeah. one thing we've learned is that we can do – we can accommodate things in all sorts of ways. Yeah. I have some students who are not interested in coming back in person. Yeah. Or maybe they want to do, like, once a month checkup in person, but do, let's say they're weekly and they want to do three weeks, you know, like this so that Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I have an hour and I'm just taking the hour out of my work and I'm not wearing shoes and I didn't have to put them (laughs) on, you know, and then, you know, maybe check in. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what it's going to look like. You know, I'm very curious. It's kind of exciting because 
we, if we're willing, we don't have to think in such a black or white way with anything anymore. I like know. Everything was upended. It was like all the colors and all the grays and all of the everythings. And at least for myself, if I tried to re-enter everything as the old me, well, I'm not oh, the no. old me anymore. You're not the old you, so you can't. I mean, it would right. be a fallacy, right? Like exactly. You'd be trying to- I went to um, a block party the other day. So we're recording this in June. I'm not sure when this episode will come out, but it's June. And it's been beautiful. And I went to a block party, and everybody there was vaccinated. And oh. we were, everybody was jamming. It was a celebration. And for the first, like, 45 minutes, I felt so introverted. Mm-hmm. And I knew some of the people, but it, it was a real mix of people. And I I just, and I was talk. I was giving myself kind of a talking to, like, what is wrong with you? What is going on with you? Like, and I, I just realized this is a muscle that has not been flexed. Yeah. And you don't have to do this in the old way. You can just, so I just honestly sat on the porch for a while and let myself kind of absorb the environment. Yeah. And then by the end, I was like shutting the party down. I didn't leave, but it took me a while. (laughs) I think it's going to be good for all of us to give each other like, and and other people so much grace for a long time. A very long time. And and I, I hear you, and I think I think it is. Look, and I, I mean, I'm one person, but I, I think it, it is a mistake for people to think that they should be stepping in exactly as they were a year and a half ago, yeah. or you know, whenever. Like I think then you, as you said, you have to give yourself. You know, we talk about grace periods. We talk about yeah. you know, you have to give yourself. That moment to sit and say, like, what is this like for me? Right. How am I feeling? You know, and I think, you know, my older self and and, and this is just, of course, with the pandemic, but then also just having the benefit of being older and, and looking, being able to look back at things, you know, and, um, you know, so, OK, go with me down this little I, I'm there. Path I'm already then- there. Okay, let's so, go. So I've been really exploring, and this was something that I think I heard Brene Brown talking about like a long time ago. I don't know if you're like a fan of Brene Brown. I love Brene Brown. Okay, <laughs> excellent. So she had done a study on the difference between belonging and fitting in. Did you hear this? Have you read about this study? I've heard of it. I haven't read the study yet. Yeah. And well, I heard her talking about it and her talking about her, her – um, and, you know, who she spoke to and where I think she was talking to teenagers, I think it was. And I know it's fascinating. And so and I've really been mulling over that whole idea, like lately, because as we start to reengage, like as we start to reengage in a way that's not as controlled as like, OK, I'll talk to you on Zoom for an hour or like we'll meet on the street corner and stand six feet away from each <laughs> other or whatever, you know, and um, and. I really am so I've been thinking about it so much and and I'm probably getting it a little bit wrong. But the nutshell was like fitting in means that you're trying to, in a gentle way, like assimilate yourself to a group that you'd like to be a part of. But it's not necessarily from who you are in your core. And belonging is being in a group in which you are relatively unconditionally accepted as who you are. I love that distinction. 
And me too. It kind of blew my mind. And so I started, and so this has been in my head for like maybe a month or two. And I was driving like near Columbia, near Barnard, as we've discussed in my, my alma mater. And I saw this girl on the street corner and she was like waving to another friend. And I thought, well, she looks happy. Like simple, you know, and then, you know, we think like, well, we don't know if she's really happy. She could be really depressed. and putting on a, <laughs> You know, you go through all these things. You yeah. never know how someone really is. But what I thought about was like how ungrounded I felt throughout my entire college existence. And then post that, how I always, I, I was never not accepted. Like, so it wasn't that like I had wonderful peers, but I don't know if I ever truly landed someplace. Mm-hmm. If you belonged. It, if I belonged. like, and, and that was me. You know what I mean? It was because I think I was so busy tr- like thinking that belonging was fitting in mm-hmm. that I never let myself sit for long enough to figure out if I belonged or not. And it was always this kind of frantic, frenetic energy, you know? And like, right. I feel like I drank more in college than I ever did in the, you know, in the rest of my life. Like, And I think it was like to kind of quell the anxiety that I had of like, do I belong here? Is it okay? Am I okay? Is it, you know? And so, so that was the kind of tangential piece. And I think I'm, you know, that's not where I am or how I see myself now, but I do have the remnants of like, okay, stepping back into the music world, stepping back into the parent friend world. Stepping back into my, you know, my friends who I've had, you know, for mm-hmm. God knows how many years, you know, like you world, you know, and, and it's, and it's a lot. Like I find myself in that place, like trying to say, like, like slow down, slow you know, down. So slow down. I actually, exactly. that is the song, by the way, that I chose for my surprise song for you. You did? <laughs> yes. Oh, good. That's another, I mean, that is. That's big too. Um, yeah. Because I, I've always loved that line in that mm-hmm. song. And wouldn't it be, I was thinking, you know, 20 tw- something year olds are usually, I mean, I'll speak for myself. Yes. I was too self absorbed and also completely not self aware. <laughs> beautiful combination. <laughs> to know the difference between fitting in and belonging at that particular point in my life. But of course, it would be. It's something that if I'm wondering, this is just like a thought experiment. Yeah. If we were able to teach this next generation about the difference between fitting in and belonging, if they might be able to find their belonging sooner because they would know the difference. Yes. Or if it's just too advanced of a concept. <laughs> I don't know. I have feel like we should give kids more credit than they're, you know, they usually get. I, I do too. And I and I think just from seeing like kids, our kids age and my niece is 16. And, you know, I have some students who are around that age. Like I, I, it's not across the board and we know that, but I think just with social activism is considerably different than it was, you know, like it was very liberal at the time. Like when I was a kid, like again, from my high school, like we had sit-ins against apartheid and like, you know, you and, and I had very different experiences. <laughs> I was probably out in the desert hunting and shooting cans with a gun, but okay. <laughs> oh my God. And still we're together, Dee. Yes, see? we are. 
Um, Love wins. That's right. Love wins. But I I think that there is, you know, I mean, the whole belonging and belonging and fitting in is such, it is so deep, you know, it is so deep. And, And I think there are certain things that you really only learn in with hindsight, you know, but I do think that because kids are interacting differently, like, and they're, they are demanding to be taken seriously sometimes with when it's warranted sometimes when it's not, but, but let's, but I think to them it's always warranted. And so Mm -hmm. you have to, you know, take that in that. I think there is a little bit of a difference, you know, it's not so much the fray anymore. It was the fray before that was conscious, you know, man, every time I talk to you, I feel like writing that like I, (laughs) there's so many things coming up and words Mm. it's making me, um, really want to, I'm thinking, ah, Jamie, go write a song about this. Or like another project or something, because you had written a project estuary, which is about being the dichotomy, being a mother, being an artist, exploring all that. I feel like, you know, this is another, I love the juxtapositions in your music. Mm. Um, So I, I'm like, oh my God, let's, let's write together. Let's do all the things. (laughs) Let's do, because we, we wrote some fun, like we've written some super fun stuff together and we haven't done it in a really long time. So I think it's time. And I was thinking when we were talking earlier about Mr. Rogers, that we, we started this whole Shel Silverstein project that I had completely forgotten about until we were talking earlier and mentioned Mr. Rogers, but. No, and I, I loved what you did. You did Snowman. Right, snowman. Oh yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. I don't even know where that chart is. Mm-hmm. I think I probably have it. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll dig it out. I'll dig it out. Um, and I loved going through. I listened to basically Jamie Lenhart all day yesterday. Oh, Thinking <laughs> it was so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just also because the truth about suffering too. That album when it came out was really important to me. I just I I knew you pretty well at that time when we were almost to having kids at this yeah. around the same time and um but I love your newer stuff too so I'm trying to debate which one I want to play first I think I'll play the truth about suffering first okay um yeah. and I had a really hard time choosing which song mm-hmm. to play because oh, there's so many good ones and I've been able been lucky enough to play them on piano with you and sing with you. Yes. Um, so I'm, <laughs> I always feel slightly bad that I like spring this song on whoever the guest is because they don't get to choose it. But I, can you tell me, I have my own thoughts about what this song is about, but from mm-hmm. your perspective, mm-hmm. what is it about? Um, and again, that's think, a loaded question. So, you you know. No, I, I think I, I'm just kind of, I want to be, I want to be concise um, it, it's about the push and pull, you know, of kind of rushing toward not toward nothing and, um, being afraid of, of holding back for too long and not then stepping into life. You know, it's like mm. being stuck in the middle. I mean, a lot of this record explores that, you know, but a lot of that, that record, the truth about suffering and, and the suffering, you know, is what we bring on ourselves. Right. So it's like, it, moving too fast and missing missing something and then holding back and missing something that actually is truly in front of you you know so that yeah. whole song you know that what's the first lyric i spend my life making small circles tiny, tiny dots, dots on, on a page, page you know and because i i like i haven't 
I haven't drawn so much recently, you know, but I mean, I used to make these like obsessively small designs. Oh, I I remember those. Hours and hours that are literally tiny dots on a page. Like, I I could do it for hours. I thought the tiny dots were musical notes. Ah, they could be, right? Well, there you go. (laughs) Um, You know, and so it's like sitting, I guess the whole thing is about like, when is it, when is it the right time to move forward? When is it the right time to sit back? And the song is that, kind of, you have to slow down, but things don't wait for you either. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, it really, it's so different. Like we're going to listen to it now. And I feel like listening to it after what we've all just been through mm. brings a whole other layer to it. So let's, without further ado, we're going to listen to the truth about. Suffering. I haven't listened to it in so long. Yay.
goody um you know what i feel like it's kind of perfect that you chose that apropos to the conversation we've just been having because you know in that you know there's that line you know will there in time be a chance to rewind to gather up my old designs and like that's kind of what we're thinking about right yeah we've been talking about it's like not to actually literally be able to go back and relive or redo those things you know but if you have the opportunity to look at it again, you know, can you do it in a way that that has, you know, a different impact on you? You know, can would I be able to then really, truly slow down, you know? And you who, know? whoever thought we would have a time where we were we had no choice, because right. if we had the choice, we would not slow down to the if, uh, to the amount that we just did. Right. Because we're Absolutely. like, I mean, I've, yeah. I'll speak for myself. I'm pretty incapable. Yeah. Right. Well, usually we'd have to take ourselves completely out of our lives, right? Yes. We have to like go live in a monastery for a year right. and like, you know, count Go on a quote unquote, like a retreat. Know? Yeah. Right. One of the things I love so much about that song and the, and the com- composition of it too is that I was like conducting over. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's, in five, it's so fun to to listen to that with you on the screen, but it's in five, but it, it, it doesn't sound um, like often I feel like when things are in five, they kind of, you know, we think of the classic take five. It feels a little right. bit jolty. Yeah, this janky. doesn't. Yeah. But on the other hand, it is uneven. And so then when it's like, then when it goes into three or into six, yeah. however you're thinking yeah. about it, yeah. it's this kind of unconscious release yes. into this more flow state. Yeah, and then, oh, and then the first time you're like, slow down and slow down. I mean, just mm-hmm. the the minor to the major. It has all these lifts in it, mm-hmm. which I feel like your mm-hmm. music kind of naturally does. It goes all these unexpected places mm-hmm. that make mm-hmm. so much sense. Like if mm-hmm. you mapped out the song on a piece of paper, it would be like little peaks and valleys. But it has this overall arc that I. It just makes my body feels so tingly and like there's so many moments where I'm like, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that. That's such a great description. And thank you. Do you think your writing has, has changed over time? Obviously all of our writing has changed over time. Yeah. But let's say from, from this album and I want, I encourage everyone to go check out the entire album because it's so good. And it is a lot of layers like this. Yeah. I mean, some of it's Michael, your yeah, husband's Michael's arrangements, yeah, absolutely. but you compose the songs, you wrote the words and a lot of the songs maybe start one place, they end, start one place. And anyway, that's another song of yours. <laughs> we're not going to do it right now, but um, so I'm wondering how do you think your writing has changed since then? I don't know. Like my real answer is I'm not sure. Um, I think, I mean, so with full disclosure, like I literally haven't written one song in a year. Like, I mean, I started writing like two or three, but I was like, I don't know, you know, and, and felt very grumpy about them, kind of like an artist's way approach. And so I was like, oh, come on. 
you know, and so um, I think that, I don't know, I think I, I because in, in, in some ways, I'm always going to be very lyric driven, you know, like that's oh, because that's just the way my brain works. And it's easier for me to have a lyric or at least a portion of a lyric that I love and then find a melody that works with it and then say like, okay, well, what kind of chord structure would be underneath that? And then um, like I, I have a harder time writing from like, here's, here's a great chord, you know, progression yeah. and let me write a melody and lyric on top of it. I feel a little more challenged or stymied, mm-hmm. like not that I couldn't or don't do it, but I like it better the other way. Um, And that is how I've still been writing. So I think that, um, I mean, maybe this might sound weird though. This might, this might sound, and I am not coming from like a dark, dark space at all, but I feel like, you know, the uncertainty that I felt really comfortable writing about like when this album came out, you know, or prior, you know, it's like sometimes I don't feel as comfortable, you know, X amount of years later when like we supposedly have to have our shit together <laughs> to write about the uncertainty still. And I, and I like, it doesn't plague me enough to not do it. You know what I mean? But I think it's like there's a certain self-consciousness that's crept in that I have to move away from then in order to write freely. That's really interesting. Do you think that's just because as we get older, like we said, we're supposed to have our shit together. And so we're conscious of that. Oh, well, I'm X. I've lived on the earth for X years and I still don't. Does that mean my writing is still valid and that I have to say something even more profound now or? Kind of. I mean, I know maybe I like as you say it, I'm like, no, (laughs) like my answer is no. And like, what what does profound mean? Like if I write about like, I'm not, I don't want to jump on a bandwagon like, or a bandwag, you know, like writing about, <laughs> I have to write a social justice song because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But like, then what? So I'm not doing anything with it. It's not benefiting anybody except it was me, you know, like, as my sister calls it, Instagram activists, you know, like. That's a good phrase. I you like know, that she's phrase. like, I'm sick of Instagram activists yeah. when it's like, I'm posting a picture of myself, you know, with a, you know, right. I'm whatever. just going to do a blackout on my screen and that's all I'm going to do. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I don't want to be a songwriter like that, mm-hmm. you know, um, like my songwriting has always been very personal. It's always been very yeah. like, and, and, but becomes, you know, like more people, you know, as we've, as we know, like, you know, the more personal it is, as long as it's not like people's names and dates. Right. You know, um, the more general it really becomes, you know, or the more. Right. Well, what it makes me think of, my mind actually went to a different place, which is one of the things that I really enjoy about seeing you live doing your music is also you doing other people's music and interpreting. Because I think interpretation is its own art and you can still express yourself so much and I resisted for the longest time. And I don't know what my hang-up was. I think mm. it was probably just, I don't know. I'm sure I got negative feedback from somebody at some point about, like, well, you shouldn't sing other people's songs. So well, I they like, can well, fuck themselves. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I'll only do my own songs. But there's a way I, I really – I can't wait for you. Um, no pressure to perform again um, so no, that I'm, I can I'm, tell I'm everyone yeah. in the whole world to uh-huh. go see you. Because you, 
are so in your body and authentic in the way you use your body, the way you interpret your own songs and other people's songs. I've learned so much by watching you. Mm. And it's so interesting because I, I haven't really thought much about how interpreting and performing is its own kind of writing in a way. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure yeah. how to say yeah. that. Yes. I, 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 I do think so, yeah. And, and I think... I think it's an extension of it, right? Mm. I think that, um, you know, when we take someone else's material, unless we're at a karaoke bar, you know, or <laughs> which I will, you know, I'm fine never, ever setting foot in, ever. <laughs> um, but unless it's that, you know, and, and, you know, it's like we, in order to deserve to take someone else's material, we have to, we have to honor it by putting ourselves into it, right? And it's not about like, and, and you know, I, I'm hopefully not offending too many people by saying this. It's not about like, you know, the kind of jazz vocalist who's like, I need to take a song completely apart and put it into a different time signature <laughs> and do all these crazy things because I need to show you how great I am as a jazz right. musician. And then we lose the essence of the song. We lose the essence of everything. And usually it's more clever than it is touching. Yeah. You know, and that's, Again, like I don't, I like I don't think I could do that, you know. So like, all ups to them for being able to do that, but it doesn't compel me to listen to it, right? You know, and and it certainly doesn't compel me to listen to it from my gut, you know. And and like I'll listen to it intellectually and be like, wow, that's an interesting way that they did that, you know. And <laughs> um, but like if you took a song, you know, it's like you are by taking someone else's material, you are saying you are you person are trusting me to take your song and honor it by interpreting it from my soul. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because otherwise, what's what's the point? You know, we, we see covers every day of our lives and, and all over the TV, everywhere we go. Right. And I have I think this is part of what I'm, I'm honing in on is there needs to be a reason. And yes. just because or because X producer said so or like that is not a good enough reason. No. Um, it could be that it's just it has to hit you in the gut. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah. like seriously, what's the point? I mean, and then it's just an exercise, I guess. Like right. then it's like something – it's sort of like when I was in jazz school and, and, and people would do this like, well, let's play Cherokee in all 12 keys. It's like no one – no one right, in the real world behind is good. closed doors. Yeah, that's but fine. then, you know, you'd go to the jam there and, and they would just do it as like this cutting contest or something. It's like, right. oh, you guys are so cool. <laughs> oh, look, now we're doing it in B. Now we're doing right. – you know, it's like right. – but no one – that means nothing. It's called, it's called masturbating. Yes, exactly. You know, that's exactly what it's called. And right. yeah, and best done behind closed doors always with that stuff. Always, always, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, I would I, prefer playing Cherokee slowly and in one key because then it would mean more. Well, exactly. But I think that goes to what you were just saying. It's kind of like writing or rewriting. It's like because you are essentially, you know, picking up the song and writing it a little bit differently, mm -hmm. right? You know, um, and it can be so effective and so... You know, you hear the lyrics differently, maybe if it's a, you know, if it, we're talking about songs with lyrics now, right? So like you yep. hear the lyrics differently, 
maybe if you made something slower, right? Like it, it all of a sudden a word means something yeah. differently because you get to draw it out differently, you know, or you change the key and make it a little more somber, you know, because it's a lower right. key. Like rainbow, like you, like you're one of your ones that I love is rainbow connection. I like minor and yeah. a little, you know, and then it like all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, that's a little bit sad. Like that's a little yeah. bit, you know. Well, and one of the first times I heard you live was at the cutting room before, I think I had just met you or something. Oh my God. And you were there with the biddies. I was there with the biddies. I was. In that corner. I, rem- like, I, I remember. I remember exactly where it. I was too. I, I was, we were actually dressed up as runaway brides, I think. Um, <laughs> that I don't but, remember. <laughs> but I remember where you were sitting. I know. Um, and you did that song and... I feel like someone was trying to talk to me and I was like, shh, 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 shh. Like I was <laughs> like, That's be so quiet. Bad. Something's happening. Um, mm. Because I have this very um, deep love and appreciation for the whole, all of the songs from the Muppet movie. Me too. But I've always felt that that song is, there's something in it that's a little bit more melancholy than most people give the treatment to because it's just like, someday, which is also beautiful. Yes. I've just found on my um, photos this old, old video of Mirabelle with ukulele when she was like four and Clover was just born. And she doesn't know any chords, but she's just strumming it going, the rainbow connection. And it's so, that song is so beautiful and so pure in a lot of ways. And when you did it and it was minor and more haunting Mm-hmm. It made so much sense to me. And I was like, yeah. it was almost oh. like, this has always existed. How has this not always existed? Right. And that's to me what I feel like making a song your own while still respecting the song. That's what it's about. Yes. Yeah. 100%. I guess I remember you you did a version of um, going to go back there someday. What is yes. it called? The Gonzo song? Yeah. In the desert? Yeah. Oh, my God. That song. That song yeah, kills me. People don't know oh really, but it's like, this we looks can't, familiar. We can't hear the piano. I don't know. Oh. You can't. Because they're plugged in. I'm just telling familiar. you. Yeah, that song also is just like, oh, yeah. so good. So good. Oh, that's, yeah, now I need to go watch that movie. There's a lot mm-hmm. of things I need to do now. Um, but I want to move to your other song because okay. it's not one that I had listened to a lot because it's kind of recent, I think, or you recorded it recently. Yeah, it's for their new record. It's for the new record. But it was one of the singles. Right. Oh, and that's the one I chose, by the way. So you sent me, I asked you, send me a song that's taken you from darkness to light. And you said, I can't choose, which then left me in an unenviable position of choosing because I liked both songs. Mm. So much. I have to get better at choosing, though. No, I'm, that's please. very lib- very Libran of me, and I'm not like a big signs person, but like right. I will spend hours debating <laughs> over like two things when like <laughs> neither one is the wrong choice. And I think that's what that's what trips me out. It's like if, if there's a definitive wrong, then I'll I'll point it out, and I know it. Did you but, um watch The Good Place? <laughs> You know what? I I just was talking. I watched a few episodes, and then a friend of mine just said, "Like, oh, you've got to just stick with it and keep watching it because I think he loves I, it." You would. Yeah. I I can say with pretty. I'm pretty self assured that you would love it because okay. there's a character in there, Chidi, who that's his through line is that he can <laughs> that he can't choose, and then in the afterlife, a lot of things come up where that are about that, right? And then philosophically, it it becomes. Why? And then they even mm-hmm. do, you know, the trolley problem where you have to choose kill the person you know or like 
go to the trolley to kill like five people you don't know or, you know, right. it's really, really interesting. Oh my God. So I'm going to recommend that for you. I'm going to watch it. My therapist said that it's because I don't like to experience loss. Oh, wow. That's really And so deep. like make, I know, I know I'm going to her for long enough that like, I feel like, <laughs> but like, and, and so it's like the idea or she's put that into me to mull over, you know, like yeah. think about it that way. It's like when you don't choose, you don't experience loss, but you are actually continuously experiencing loss because you haven't stepped wholly into something else. Oh right? my gosh. That that's like. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's a big I one. I know. That would know? be, that would be a good smoke. <laughs> that. that would be a good smoke. <laughs> but um, I okay. think partially I chose this because I don't, I don't know much about it. So yeah. from darkness to light. Yes. Um, tell me about this song and how that relates to that. Okay. So this song is, um, it kind of came together in a couple different pieces. So sometimes, and a lot of the time, it's when I'm practicing yoga and it's a teacher that I really love, um, that they'll say something that's like, very relatively innocuous, probably to them, you know, and but it'll be like, you know, kind of in the little mini Dharma talk before class starts. And um, and I usually like it'll just stick in my head and then I'll write it down when I'm done with class and I'll just oh, wow. park it somewhere, yeah. you know. And um, I had this teacher a, a while ago and he said, he was talking and he was like, you know, I don't know if he said it exactly this way, but the very first line of the song is last night I gave myself permission to dream, you know? And I was like, Oh, that was like killed me. Like yeah. there was something about like a, like being able to give yourself permission to do something like that, you know, not having the permission to do something like that. You know, what is it like when you really give yourself in, you know, to that? And so so I had kind of cataloged that as something that I wanted to explore. And then I, I went, and this is a while back, you know, so these songs have kind of been ruminating a little bit, but I went and did like a weeks long writing um, retreat in the middle of winter at the north in at the and on the North Fork of Long Island. Do you remember when I did this? The, I do. And the waves you know? were crashing. It looked amazing and also yeah. kind of scary. Scary. And so I wrote this song during one of the big storms. And, and so I was sitting there while I was watching, well, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, wow, what is amazing, amazing experience. Here I am totally by myself, you know, with my only job is to write (laughs) for a week, you know, like my only job is to create. Uh, And, and but I'm sitting there with this ginormous picture window on and, and the, and the, the part of the building itself was hanging over the sea, you know, not hanging over, but you know, it had yeah, like, yeah. what are they, you know, there are supports underneath, but it's not anchored to the ground. You right. know, it was like supported on an angle yeah. to the building and these waves are coming and coming and washing up against the entire, um, window almost like to almost to the top of it and logs that have been kind of free and sound are banging up against the building. And I'm thinking sitting there like, you know, with my coffee and my notebook (laughs) thinking, 
am I going to die right now? You know, like imagine if just like all of this just went right into the sea. Like, what would that be like? And I started thinking about, you know, how we humankind have really screwed with nature, you know, like how we really, I'm going to build a building dangling over the Long Island Sound right now. And I'm going to sit in it during a winter storm because that pleases me. You know what I mean? And I was like, in some ways we deserve to have it all come down, you know, like in some ways. And so I'm going a little, so let me go back to the darkness light. So, but then, so, but, so I'm sitting there just really thinking about the, the frailty, you know, like of existence, you know, and, and so that was kind of the piece that I started thinking about. It's like both being ripe for destruction in that moment. And then also trusting, having to trust that every moment could still be okay. You know, and so that's the, like washing over and watching over at the same time, you know, yeah. and then within the verses of the song, you know, it's like I last night I gave myself permission to dream. I gave myself permission to breathe. Um, last night, I finally found myself at peace, mm. you know, and so it's like going through all these things of letting go, letting myself go a little bit, not holding on so tight to the things that I think are so are holding me together. Because what a horrible feeling, right? When you're just like, so tight. And so like, if I let go at all, I'm going to completely fall apart. And, you know, and so, and so there's exploration of water, there's exploration and of like, you know, waking up drenched, you know, and like literally, and you're like, did I have a bad dream? Am I going through menopause? What else could it be? You know, like, like all these different things and then being like, and, and so in it, it's like, was I washed over? What did the water just come and consume me? Or was it just me crying all night? Or was it me sweating Mm. all night? Or, you know, so this kind of intermingling with, with nature and myself and like, again, it's like about like, who are, where am I in this? And And trusting it. I think in the end, it's really trusting that it's that wherever I am in this, I'm okay. Okay. How's that? Amazing. And Uh. now we're going to listen to it. Wash over. Last night I gave myself permission to dream. Lids fell heavy and sleep came finally Not expecting to remember much Not expecting to remember much Last night I gave myself permission to breathe Wind picked up the leaves that had fallen whirled around my feet Not expecting to feel much Not expecting to feel much Then the flood came, waters washed in 
breath short, gasping for air. Wake up drenched. Was it me or was it the water? I'm trying to find the right word. Just being completely immersed in that song, just hearing your story, thinking of being in a space that's glass and strong but also fragile and having the waves just coming up. And in the piano, you can hear the waves and then it Mm -hmm. will shift keys and you can hear the waves. I was thinking um, what a perfect song, as you were saying, for, for a yoga, like just to... Mm-hmm. To be moving through those and 
I'm awake. Like, oh, that would be beautiful to meditate to that song. So I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna try that later and see if any watery images come up. Oh, that's good. I like that. I always have watery images. It's always like you wrote a whole project about <laughs> I know, it. I know. I <laughs> know. But I was thinking, yeah, and I and I still I think you know I I'm so attracted to it. Um, I'm so afraid of it, and I'm so attracted to it at once. You know. Um, like, I don't know if I'll ever scuba dive. Like, I'm terrified mm-hmm. of it, but I really wish that I wasn't because I feel like some, in some ways, like, that's the perfect place, you know? Like, yeah, the but, quietness. Mm, and I wonder what it is about not, water. I mean, maybe it's just from, from, from the womb or in a yeah. kind of liquid, you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe in another life you were a mermaid? Maybe. Perhaps. Probably. <laughs> um, the other thing that I was thinking about, you know, and and – as we were listening together and like thinking about our conversation and how, and how long we've known each other and through the different like places in our lives that we've known each other um, or phases of our lives that we've known each other. You know, I think, I think that now um, you asked how my songwriting has changed, right? Mm -hmm. Now I I have a little, the, the only thing that I think that, that the biggest shift is, is that, This, like this series of songs, I think, is on the other side of that. So there was the kind of Truth About Suffering series in which it's like, there's this self-indulgence to it, right? Because like, you don't, I I didn't have a kid, like, didn't, you know, like my life was different. Like I was my most important person, you know, (laughs) like, and, and um, and there's and that was great, you know, and like all the angst and everything that went with it. But I was still my most important person, you know, like and then um, I think then there was a lot of stuff, like especially during the estuary period, you know, which was really helpful that I could get a lot of it out, you know, but that was like living in the like, what the hell? You know? <laughs> and then I have a being who's suddenly reliant on me. <laughs> right. And I think this latest like group of material, like, like the being that is still dependent on me is much more self-sufficient, you know? And it, and so now it's like, okay, so look at yourself now. So what is that? You know, like, look at yourself. So when like in this song, when it's like, kind of like you're, it's also like an, an, like a non-religious baptism, you know what I mean? Like, Mm. it's like, um, so, you know, it's like, if I'm awake, you know, at the end, it's like, awake to what? Like, what am I awake to? Who am I? What is my, where is my place? And I think this period of writing in my life is like a new, like a rediscovery, you know, and like the angst can still exist, but, but it's like, again, more about, like I had I, a little different kind of self-direction. Yeah, that know? makes a lot of sense to me. I can... I like how you're organizing the sets of songs in those in that way. That that it's your tr- first trilogy. <laughs> yeah, there are I many other trilogies. Right. I, I have never either, it. but I I love that. When yeah. um is this next group of songs coming to life? I, I believe it it'll be out. Um, my hope is it'll be out in November. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Would you mind telling everybody who played on that? project on this particular song there might be too many people to mention but I don't want to miss anybody but um I'll put it in the show notes also so I don't miss anybody but yeah 
because I know I know that I, I have it all written down and it's been a little while, but I think um, that uh, Michael did a lot of the of the both piano and the horns mm-hmm. um, because it, when I went in to record a lot of this, like we did some really big, big band stuff, but then like this was one of the last songs that we just were like, let's get it down. And so it ended up being just few of us doing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So, and I, I think I could be wrong, but um, that there's uh, strings that like live strings other than like, you know, kind of sample strings that was Claudia Chopek, um, Emily Hope Price, and Ludovica um, Bertoli. Um, I don't think you, that there's bass You will be forgiven it. if you, like, I'm popping yeah. this question. Like, you didn't even know what song that was going to be. So. No, no. <laughs> and I bet, and then vocals, um, obviously me, and then um, uh, Rebecca Haviland and Latanya Hall. Um that might be it for instrument because I think Michael really created a lot of it. Like, yeah, sonically. we finished this like during the pandemic yeah. when we weren't with other people so much. So yeah, um, but I, I'll send you the the okay, whole, cool all of it so you can put it into the show notes. Yeah, so I don't... and I also want to let people know when this comes out, and I'm hoping you'll do a, a release party at that point. I definitely will. Yay. I don't know where it will be. Um, who knows in this new world what will be closed, what will be open? I know, That's I know. A metaphor for it all. <laughs> what will no be closed kidding. and what will be open? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe that's a song. Yeah. So, what are you doing this summer? Anything fun? Um, not really. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for coming on the show. No. Um. So. Uh, and I mean, I'll be here. I'll be in New York for most of the summer. My sis, I haven't seen my sister, you know, since February 2019. Oh. And so, um, is that true? No, no, February 2020. Because I saw her, you know, I oh, think yeah. I told you this. We went to Disney, we went right. to Disneyland, Disneyland. Um, right. And you know like that I'm literally a Disney freak. the week before right. everything it's shut down. It's kind of a we miracle were, you didn't get. COVID. Well, I think there. we did. I think oh, we had it. Okay. No, but, but no one, it was like, because people were saying, oh, you get it from touching things and you have, and, right. and these are the symptoms that you yeah. have. Mike, like I had the worst sinus infection I've ever had, you know, for like a mm-hmm. week. Michael was laid up. My, like, there's no way we didn't have it. But, but by the time that we were tested for antibodies, yeah. it was like, it was six months down the road. Yeah. You know what I mean? When we were like, oh, maybe we should be tested. I'm sure we had. <laughs> we were literally, we went to that star, the new Star Wars ride, right? you know? And it was like broke down like 30 times. You know what I mean? Because like when one thing breaks right? down, like they have to do, like fix all yeah. the It was the cool, one of the coolest rides I've ever it's been on. so good. Oh, oh my, my God. God. So Rise good. of the resistance, people. People. Go. go. When you go. But so, you know, like I'm sure it's the same in both parks. Like you're inside yeah. for like three hours. <laughs> because we, we were like, we don't want to get offline. And it was like at the height of COVID, like coming to the States. And we were in California. Oh, I'm laughing so hard. I shouldn't be. Why is this funny? I don't know. It's because not it's funny. Like, because you have to laugh at it. You have to laugh at it because it's it's it was such a crazy time, you know. And then like 
the guy next to me on the plane was wearing a mask and I was like purelling the seats, you know, and I, I'm like, you know, when we were, when we were flying home, you know, and it was just so crazy. So I, so, so could you go back? So, but I haven't seen my sister since then. And so she and my niece and my sister-in-law are coming here for three weeks. So I get to be That's with them. That's a nice chunk of time. It's a great chunk of time. Yeah. And then, um, and then I'm teaching remotely at the, um, like a somatic voice work Institute. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing that for a few days or like six days or so. And at the end of the summer, we're going to Cape Cod, which is like my happy uh, place. And so I'm so excited for that. And we'll be there for two weeks. So it's like, it's mellow. It's a mellow summer. Yeah. It sounds know? lovely. Yeah. I'll just be out in nature with no. After seven weeks. Are, both, are the girls both going to camp? Yeah. Last time I went, which I keep saying was 2020, but I lost years. Obviously it was not 2020. It was 2019. Right. I went for five weeks and they came for the last three Okay. But things are a little different this summer because it's sort of like if you're going to go, you can't really just leave go. and come back. Right. So right. I was like, I'll just go. And then they, they were – I was talking about this. I remember they were just – I could come in the bedroom and they're like, well, we, we want to go for that too. And I was – in that moment, I was like, are you, are you sure? Are you sure you want to come with right. me for seven weeks? And they're like, oh, yeah, we totally want to come. But actually it's going to be great because it's a, it, there's like a couple of hundred people in the camp. Maybe it's not very big. Okay. And and yet when we were there last time, I didn't see them. Yeah. Well, why would they want to see you? No offense to you. I love you yeah. very much, but why well, would they want it like And like, my they, littlest one went when she was 7 and she had never been to sleepaway camp. So like the first couple of days she came and found me, but then people would like lead her away to the right. goats or the horses or whatever. Right. Right. And it's like the safest wonderful place to have I know. a new community. I mean, it's 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 amazing. And I'm and this camp is exciting for me too because I'm you know bartering for their camp tuition, but because I'm there for so long, there will be a couple of weeks where I'll play for like one of the musicals and then it's a retreat for me. Right. So I will just like last time I I start I was writing all this wacky I was putting poetry to music and like I was trying all this because you can use it as a lab. So I'd be like, I need you five people to live paint (laughs) while you're having a drum circle over here. (laughs) And then I will be playing and you will be reciting poetry as the horses gallop by. Oh, my God. That's amazing. It's really document. You have to document. Uh, I know. But that like. The documenting is is never as good as the memory of it. No, because if I no. watched it now, I'd be like, "Wow, that was like actually that was right. like a total hallucinogenic dream of some kind." But but how great is that, Dee? I mean, I know, that's I'm so excited. That's so good. Where is it? It's it's called Balabay. It's in Pennsylvania, hmm. and it's going to be really interesting this summer because no one is leaving. Like once we're all. We test before we come. We test when we're there. And then we are all just Just there, there. closed campus. I love it. There's going to be – it's like you were saying, you know, your only job in that space was to write. Yeah. And you couldn't go out in that moment because the waves are crashing. So it's like you can sit there with your notebook. You don't have to write, but you're there to write. There's nowhere else to go. Yeah. And I find yeah. those situations incredibly difficult sometimes because I feel like I'm supposed to be writing. I'm supposed to right. be writing. <laughs> right. But then when you finally let go of whatever like whatever it is you're supposed to be writing, then cool stuff can come out. Then you so. have freedom, right. Yeah. And you have the freedom. Yeah. You just have to have that first uncomfortable period to get through. And that's exactly. It. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Well, it has been amazing. Amazing, amazing. Oh, and you're dancing. It's her. You're such a beautiful dancer. <laughs> 
It's <laughs> kind of hard to talk when you're dancing. But no, keep doing it. Keep doing it's your it. your music, man. It's your music. <laughs> um, Jamie, I love you and I love talking I love to you. you. Mm. I just, um, people, come on. Jamie Linhart is the, the best. Like, come on, look at her. You can't look at her, but go look her up. <laughs> and listen to her beautiful voice and follow her on all of the places, jamielinhart.com and the other, are there other places? The other yeah. places. The other Instagram, places. the Facebooks, the this and that, the Spotify, the, the Apple Music. Follow her on the this and that. That's going to be our new website. <laughs> Let's do a, a talk show, the this and that with Jamie and Deidre. Actually, I really want to do that now. I'm like, we could actually do that. <laughs> and thank you for sharing your music with us. And um, I can't wait to see what you do next. I can't wait too. I can't wait to see too. But I thank you so much, Dee, for having me on your show. Of I love course, it. And of I love course. you. I love you too. So, everybody, you can find the song inside at thesonginside.me. Um, you can leave me a voicemail at anchor.fm slash thesonginside. Um, tell, tell us what you think. Which songs are you grooving to? What are you writing? What's going on? And until next Monday, remember that everyone has a song inside, including you. <laughs> <laughs>